Evolution.org podcast coming away, episode 444. Steve Schmee and the Rickster, Ricky V. Rock. What's up, buddy? You excited? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? Always, man. Always. Always ready to go. So we have our myth bro science series continues. We talked about steroid myths. Then we talked about diet myths. Now for 444, we're going to talk about weight and resistance training myths. So the first myth that we hear a lot in the gym that really needs to be addressed and struck down is, is soreness caused by lactic acid. So a lot of people, you know, they'll, it's very, very important to understand this part of the equation, because when you work out, something happens. And what happens is your muscles get broken down. You get little muscle fiber tears in your muscles. And as you're training, you might feel a little bit of a burning sensation in your muscles. You might feel some fire. That in itself is lactic acid and other things happening, blood rushing into your muscle and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, you usually some you usually don't feel sore after a workout. It's maybe later on that day or the next day or even two days after you'll feel this soreness in your muscles. Especially if you change your workout or if you're new to training or you're doing a lot more weight than you usually do, something where you're really shocking your body. So is that lactic acid causing the soreness? And the answer is no. What causes that soreness is the same thing that causes people to be sore who get in car accidents. You know, is that lactic acid? You're, you know, you're sitting in a hospital bed, you just got in a motorcycle crash and your entire body is sore. Is that from lactic acid? No, your body just went through a traumatic, stressful experience. It wasn't conditioned to go through that. You know, either, like I said, you could have changed your workout or it shocked your body. It could be that you're new to it. You don't have the conditioning yet. But you notice if you do the same workouts consistently over time, you don't get that crazy soreness that you would get if you took a couple months off of weight training or even a couple weeks and then went back and did a crazy workout where you could barely walk, you know, because because of the soreness. So that soreness is basically your body sending out inflammation in in trying to repair the damage that was done. And then if you do the same workouts over and over, your soreness would get less and less and less and less because your body doesn't freak out. Your body becomes conditioned for those types of workouts. We see this with professional athletes all the time, rookies who come into the league, like let's say the NFL, they're used to in college only playing 10, 11, 12 games their college season, and then they'll play a bowl game. But in the NFL, it's a 16, now a 17-week season. You also have preseason. You also have training camp before that. And then if you make the playoffs, you have a playoff as well. And it could be one, one playoff game, two, three, even up to four playoff games. If you make it all the way, if you're a wild card team, you make it to the Super Bowl, that's four extra games that you're playing. So 
you know, a professional football NFL player, you're going, you're, you're playing. If you count training camp, if you count preseason, if you count the regular season and the postseason, you're going like more than twice as many games. So you see this a lot with these players. They'll go half the season and they'll fall off a cliff toward the end for that reason. Their body isn't conditioned yet for that type of trauma. So they'll get really, really sore as, as the season goes on. So it's the same thing with our bodies too. So it's important to differentiate between, you know, I'm getting, you know, lactic acid causing this and I have to flush out my lactic acid to reduce my soreness. Now, how do you cure soreness? That's another thing in my experience. Okay. I've tried everything to cure soreness. The one thing that's always worked for me and that gets me going in the right direction is good quality sleep. Like I could be sore after a workout for like two days, three days, and the soreness isn't really going away. And then I'll have a really good nine, 10 hour sleep. And then the next day I'll wake up and the soreness is pretty much gone. So if you want to repair your body, you have to, if you want to get rid of that soreness, you have to get good quality sleep, not just a lot of sleep, but good quality version of sleep. So Rick, what are your thoughts on this? Maybe um, any, any points that I missed? Um, I've been guilty of believing this, uh, this myth myself, um, that the soreness was caused by lactic acid. It's, it's really the, the injury, the micro tears to the muscle that are necessary for, for growth, for the muscle to adapt and grow. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, lactic acid definitely contributes to the burning sensation at the moment you're doing the exercise quite a bit, but once that is gone, uh, then, you know, what's really make you feel sore and maybe the muscles like they're, they're kind of, uh, they're kind of not flexible anymore. Like, you, you know, stretching really hurts, uh, really are those, uh, that the tears from that, from those workouts. And even if you don't take steroids, just naturally that pain begins to go away a little bit as those is even the nerves adapt to not make you feel pain over, over the workout. It's just a whole process of, of adapting. Um, also one thing real interesting, I, I saw this, uh, I like watching uh, um, documentaries and stuff. There's the Discovery Channel documentary where they kind of examine athletes under laboratory conditions. And, and Randy Couture, former uh, UFC champion, a couple of weight classes, they, they tested him what his lactic acid uh, levels would do while he was trying to hold on to a submission. So they had him hold this uh, big guy uh, in a guillotine position, which is one of those positions where strength matters uh, uh, because you're trying to get him just in the right position to submit. So they were testing his, his lactic acid levels. And since he's such a well-trained athlete, his body uh, is able to get rid of the lactic acid out of the muscles as he's creating it. So that even your ability to, as you're training to, to have the lactic acid and exit the muscles uh, it's, can be increased and and their athletes some great athletes we know that just naturally genetically their bodies are able to to just get rid of the lactic acid their muscles don't burn uh and and, and hit failure uh the way that 
yours and mine's would even, you know, just genetically, they're just, they're just have that, that ability. Then as Rotman is, is one guy, uh, people used to, uh, players, other players used to say he would, after the game, he'd go in the locker room and get on the treadmill for an hour after a game, you know, just to let off some steam. Some, some people just kind of have it. And, and that's, it's a big factor that also, um, it's a big factor that also affects performance, um, quite a bit. Just wanted to add that. I know it's a, a little bit extra to what you were saying, Steve, but just wanted to add that in. Any anything anything you think of what I said? No, I think we should move on to the next one. The next one we're going to talk about is one that you wanted to discuss called the anabolic window. Is this true? And um, I'm going to let you kind of take this one, but I just want to for you know just just mention the people during the 80s. Bro science was at its peak because guys were getting their information from bodybuilding magazines, and the people writing for these bodybuilding magazines were you know they had no ability to know what the hell they were talking about so they just pull shit out of their ass and that's how bro science gets passed now and rick i have to credit you for bringing this up on on prior podcasts and bringing it up to me you know off the podcast but now if someone says something outrageously ridiculous such as the first one we said, does lactic acid cause soreness? <laughs> you can just Google it and find the actual science and prove someone wrong. But they didn't have that in the 80s. So these magazines could put out anything. And one of the things they would put out, because the guy who was writing these magazines, he was involved heavily in selling protein powder after your workout. So he'd want people to believe that there was an anabolic window so that people would buy protein. There is protein powder that he was selling and, you know, taking advantage of that quote unquote anabolic window. So Rick, you know, tell us the science behind, behind this anabolic window myth. You know, just want to add that the first time that I came across the anabolic uh, window uh, claims, it was, I think it was my first time in a supplement store looking for, some protein powder to supplement my diet. I was just in high school, just a kid wrestling. And I came to the conclusion um, at that age that if I, that I had a limited amount of calories that I could eat through the day so that I can um, get down to weight. Cause every time coming into season, we would, uh, would have to, you know, cut down some of that summer fat. And, um, and I said, Hey, if I have more, most of my calories and protein, I'm reading muscle media and, and Dan Duchesne stuff and everything, even in, around high school, right? I, I read about steroids and got familiar with them years and years before I, I actually used them. But I I said, give me a protein powder. You know, I'll have a bunch of calories that way. And um, I went into the store looking for a good uh, a protein powder. And I picked one up. Uh, that was on a, on a corner, you know, stacked up a a corner display. And I started reading the label and it talked about the anabolic window must've been mid nineties. Just talked about the anabolic window, how I needed to use this specifically 45 minutes, no more than 45 minutes before training. Cause that's when the muscles needed. That's the anabolic window. If you miss that, you're missing out on the growth. And, um, I felt like I needed to take that tub home <laughs> and make sure to have a scoop of it 45 minutes after weightlifting um, and, you know, training and, and such. And I would actually, uh, I'd actually bring some, pro- a little bit of protein powder and, and, 
a container or a baggie or whatever to actually uh, uh, mix uh, my protein in disgusting locker room sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? With a, uh, so it's definitely a, a myth that's been around for a long time. But reality is that, and this is just coming from our last topic, um, your muscles are growing and repairing days uh, after training. You know, you, you're the, the micro tears that we're talking about that happen during training that actually cause your muscles to, to, to adapt and, and grow larger. Uh, that's happening for days after, after you actually do the training. So no, the anabolic window of having to eat something right away, it's not quite true. It's beneficial, I'm sure. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's gonna hurt you to have maybe a little protein shake before you you weight lift a light one, um, so that there are proteins being released from your gut. Now, BCA. Some people like taking them right post workout. Why the fuck not? Is it is it great? Yeah. Why not? It's better than not having anything. Uh, if you're trying to gain some muscle mass, in my opinion, obviously, but. Is it really, is there the anabolic window that you're going to miss if you don't have something within 45 minutes of, of your last repetition? No, it doesn't. No, no. Like you could, you could eat much later than that and, and you'll be, you'll be okay. But um, it couldn't, it couldn't hurt. You know, it couldn't hurt. This is definitely not a, I wouldn't say it could hurt. I mean, if you're, if you're one of these guys that can't really push the bar when, when your stomach is a little, it's a little packed, a little full, if you have a protein, have a light one, have a really light protein. Maybe I like doing, when I do protein before training, I like doing a scoop and just water, scoop and water. Um, most of the times I like to have it with, with whole milk. I, you know, I tolerate uh, milk quite, quite well. It's, it's good. It's good to me. And so, um, you know, just have a, a light one, but uh, yeah, that's it, man. Anabolic window myth. That's it. Just throw that in there. So here, here's, Here's something that you guys need to think about and just think about this. It may sound a little weird, but eating the wrong thing after your workout can hurt your gains, you know, and everyone thinks, well, let me just get a bunch of calories and get a bunch of protein or whatever. But if you eat the wrong thing, it stresses your body out. Let's say you go and eat fast food, for example, and it stresses your body out, right? Your body has to have a hard time digesting it. You get that stomach ache, you know, from fast food. You know, you get those refined oils that go in your body and do a lot of things that your, your body doesn't like. All right. Your, now your body is using up energy to digest that hard to digest food and stressing itself out versus repairing itself from that trauma you just put, put it through. So, I want you guys out there to just think, think about what I just said and kind of use logic. Why not after you work out, go home, make cool down, get your heart rate back down and have a good quality, well-balanced meal, good quality, well-balanced meal. It's easy to digest. It doesn't stress out your body. And then either take a nap if you can, if you work out in the morning, get the workout in, go home, maybe eat, or even better, take a nap, and then go to work for your normal nine-to-five job. If you work out in the evening after work, come home, get a well-balanced meal, and then get a really good night's sleep. And that 
will help your gains. That will help your gains tremendously. So think about that. So if you're the type of person, you run and get a protein powder, or you run, oh, I got to go and, and get fast foods. I got to get my calories in. I got to get my protein. Think about what I just said and change what you're doing and try it my way. And I guarantee you, you're going to feel a hell of a lot better and you're going to get more gains. You're going to, you're going to achieve your fitness goals. If you change just that, make that little change. So I have a lot of, I have a lot of experience with this guys training people, and this can make a huge difference for you. So, so give that a shot. The next one we're going to talk about is one that Rick and I have probably heard a million times. We're, we're shorter dudes. And I used to be a weightlifting coach. Those of you who know me, um, I talked about that before. I've been a weightlifting coach at the high school level. I also was a weightlifting judge at the high school level. And I hear this a lot from parents. I also hear, heard, used to hear it a lot from students. Taller students who played other sports would always say, hey, how come, Steve, how come, um, you know, Mr. Steve, Mr. Steve Schmee, I don't want to weight train because it stunts the growth. Look at all the guys who are in weight training. Look at the varsity weightlifting team. They're all short dudes. I don't, I'm six foot tall. I want to get six foot two, six foot three. I want to be a basketball player. I want to play basketball in college. I don't want to weight train for that reason. And I have to, you know, I have, you know, patiently explain to them the truth. A lot of these guys like Rick and I, get involved in weight training and get along with wrestling and these types of sports because it's by weight class. So for us, we have an advantage over the taller dudes. That's why we don't play basketball. We don't play foot, you know, football, at least, you know, in my case, I tried playing football. <laughs> I, w- I couldn't get any playing time because I was 120 pounds as a freshman. I couldn't even have my own locker when I played football. I was a skinny short dude. They wouldn't give me any playing time. I was fast. But with weight training, oh, my gosh, as soon as I got in weight training, 120 weight class, and you're strong as fuck. You know? You're strong as fuck, and you won't weigh nothing. You're going to destroy everybody. So that's why a lot of short dudes get into weight training and, and wrestling and those types of sports. So it's not that they get into it and it stunts their growth. So let me give you, let me give you the facts about stunting growth. Weight training actually, I would argue, helps your growth because now you're building strong uh, strong bones when you weight train. Now, you can make the argument your soft tissues take a beating, your discs take a beating. That I will agree with. But when it comes to your bone health, weightlifters have the strongest bone health out of any, any athletes out there. So that's number one. Number two, you don't want your kids weight training but you're okay with your kids playing football or hockey or even things like soccer where they may run in, they run into people, they break bones, they tear ligaments, all kinds of injuries like that. Breaking bones will stunt your growth. Possibly, you know, you're more likely to stunt your growth from breaking bones than you are from weight, from weight training. So you can't make the, or I've had parents who make the argument that they don't want their kids weight training, but they got no problem with their kids playing football or playing hockey. Even though those sports, you're hell of a lot more dangerous than weight training. But here's the caveat though. Weight training needs to be done correctly. 
you have to have proper form, okay? And you have to know what you're doing when it comes to weight training. I agree with that 100%. I would never tell a, you know, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old to go and clean and jerk 250 pounds. No. Um, if you're going to do these types of compound lifts, you need to use proper form and you need to not max out you know, at, at that young age, I, I'm with that because you can really do serious damage to your discs and you can, you know, accidents can happen, you know? So, but, you know, I'm a big advocate for, you know, younger people to get into weight and resistance training, but do it properly and don't overdo it. And it can have a lot of benefits. It can definitely build self-esteem. It can build strength. It can build you know, it's going to, it's going to build muscle and it's really going to be beneficial. Um, as you get older, um, all the weight training that Rick and I did when we were younger, even if we take time off in our twenties or in our thirties from weight training and get back into it later on in life, you know, cause shit happens, divorces, moving, you know, gyms closed down and you know, so things happen where you may not weight train for a little while, but getting back into weight training, it will pay off based on what we did as, as younger. So I would encourage parents listening to this, you know, don't believe that myth that weight training stunts your growth because the benefits of weight training are, are there and it will not stunt your growth, especially if you do it properly. So, I mean, that's my two cents on it. Um, you know, Rick, maybe you can, um, touch on that a little bit because I'm sure you heard, I, I know a lot of my relatives have, have told me that they're like, Oh, you weight train. That's why you're so short, Steve. You're only five foot six, five foot seven. You weight train. That's why you're short. And I'm like, no, I'm like, that's not what it is. There's dudes that have been weight training since they were six, seven years old who are over six foot tall it has nothing to do with that. What's your thoughts on this? It's like the old myth they used to say, if you wanted to get taller, you'd have to play basketball and that would somehow help you help you stretch your body out. I've heard this growing up when I, when I was a kid. Um, uh, no, uh, what happens is um, just human nature. We kind of go through life and try different activities and different things. And, and most of us will gravitate towards continue doing the ones we're kind of good at pretty early on. And and uh, usually, well, most people will actually uh, give up or quit on those activities, which are sports or whatever, that they're just not that good at from the get. Sometimes there are folks out there that make the decision and say, I want to do this. Even if I suck at it for, for the first couple of years, I will get better at it one day. But majority of us, we try different things. I tried uh, lifting weights. I got results uh, fairly quickly. Um, I, I got stronger uh the weights that i, I bought there's a sporting goods stores called models out here on long island i bought some uh i bought some weights from models and actually uh i i outgrew those fairly quickly you know some exercises that were pretty hard to uh to do at the start with those dumbbells at the beginning of that summer by the time the summer was coming to an end about three months later i, I was i was throwing those things around doing flies, curls, presses. I mean, everything I could with, with those dumbbells. And, um, and so, yep. Uh, it, it just, it just took to me and I like weightlifting. I, and, you know, I tried different sports. I, 
I worked as a kid always, even from, from junior high school. I, I had little jobby jobs, so I couldn't really do every, two or three seasons of sports. I could do one season. So I tried like soccer. Um, I tried a couple of different sports and wrestling. I was just good at. I was always the best wrestler among my friends before we ever trained, uh, you know, just in, in the playground. Kids knew like, you know, but then when I got in there and I started doing it, I got pretty damn good at it pretty quickly. And my first year, I was beating guys that been wrestling for, for a few years already. So it kind of, uh, I just kept doing that, you know, soccer, I was, had good control of the ball, but, uh, there were other, other kids that been playing longer, knew better. I did, you know, a couple other sports. I can't remember. I've been mean, sold junior high stuff, but, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of what it is. You know, you, you try things and, and it just turns out that a lot of guys that are tall do really well in basketball. And it just turns out that a lot of uh, us that are kind of short and stocky do really well weightlifting and it's what people gravitate towards. So next actual topic has, has it's a little bit of a spinoff on this too. Um, standardized weight training and even diet programs, standardized weight training and diet programs. So there are definitely a lot of coaches out there uh, that give people standard programs you know the, these instagram coaches these uh guys that are coaching you on weight training and then they're listening to some guy that's coaching them on scaling their their fitness uh client business uh you know by tenfold <laughs> and they're really just making this cookie cutter kind of training programs and look there is some value in that if you're a real just a real hardcore newbie you're just getting started um it's fine. It's great to just get a standard program from a coach and rock that shit out. But what you need to do is you need to kind of over time, you yourself try different programs, try different things and figure out what works for you because what works for you doesn't quite work for everyone. And, and not the same rep range gets the same response in the same muscles. You know, Kai green is one guy that I, I've, followed his workout and his workout. I like it. He, he thinks that biceps and triceps in order to grow need 20 repetition sets, 20 repetition sets in order for biceps and triceps to grow, you know, and it's, it, and it's different, different uh, rep range um, per muscle group. And you kind of figure that out. Also, I uh, talk, uh, um, I'm subscribed on this, on this, uh, well, this thing called Swiss Flicks sounds like porn, but Swiss Flicks actually they have a, a lot of lectures from uh, from coaches uh, and, and experts in the field. I found them slipping sometimes, maybe saying some oddball shit here and there that's not quite accurate, but for the most part, uh, very very good lectures. And and um, Charles Poliquin is that how you pronounce his name? You know who I'm talking about the talking about weightlifting coaches, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's see. Poliquin. Yeah. Is it, it's Charles's first name or, or what? Poliquin. Poliquin. Uh, Charles Poliquin. Yeah, that's the guy. Um, he says that basically some of his training um, students, clients, whatever you want to call them, um, some of them respond really well to intensity and others respond really well to volume. What is, what is intensity? I'll give you an example. Um, Dorian Yates. Dorian Yates um, does training where he might do one or two 
reps per set. Of course, these reps last a very long time. Uh, they last just as long as you're doing 20. But that's all about intensity. Yeah, And he was notorious for being in and out of the gym 45 minutes an hour. When he was asked, you know, why, he says, look, I wanted to be champion. I wanted to be the best. And if me being in the gym for eight hours would mean I, I would be the best, then I would have done that. But that wasn't it. What worked for me was going in there with a lot of intensity, very, very short reps, and getting the fuck out. And that's kind of work, work for him. Then you take a guy like Ronnie, who's notorious for being in the gym, you know, a few hours, seven days a week. Just killing it. And he also became champion. He also developed his physique to the best that he could. So in the end, really, what works is you try everything and you begin to, to put together your program. You begin to put together what works from you. You look in the mirror. You, you keep track of how much weight you're doing. You keep track of how you're feeling, how you're performing. And then you begin to know what is the proper rep range for you? What are the proper exercises for you? You know, you should try, be trying different grips and different angles on, on back exercises and then click snap some pictures of what your body looks like and what your body's developing like um, in, in your back and then notice which exercises are really bringing out the, the kind of look you want, your chest, your, your abs. You know, some guys need to really train abs a ton to bring them out. Other guys might notice that, hey, just keeping my abs tight all day long, uh, doing a little bit of ab exercise, sucking my abs in, will keep them nice and tight. If I do too much, then they'll begin to grow a little bit. They'll begin to get thick. It's not the look I'm go going for. It's very, there's a lot of genetics that come into play when it comes to the way your body gonna, is going to develop. So the standard programs are just never a good way to go. Um, you want to build your own program. You want to build over time by, you know, being real conscious of your progress and just over time build the program that you know is going to work for you and stick with the exercises and the movements that you know are giving you the results you want. If you want nice round shoulders, you, you identify which angles, rep ranges, um, you know, which uh, equipment, if you're going to use some, really help your shoulders and, and, and which is a waste of time. And if you make this bodybuilder thing a lifelong endeavor, if you really make it uh, something that you're into and, and it's your, 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 your hobby that you're most devoted to, if it only is a hobby, maybe you're making money from it. Who knows, right? But if you really treat it that way, you'll begin to, to learn and develop and pick up all of the different cues your body's sending you to know what works and what not and what doesn't work. Some exercises, like I said, may maybe just be worth abandoning. You might you might know you might realize that doing decline bench does nothing for your chest development that you're not already getting from from flat bench. Some guys might just be built that way. You might realize that hey, military press all is doing is hurting my shoulders. Um, I don't think I'm getting any bigger or any more fullness from it. I need to do lighter flies and work on different angles. Then the size starts to come out and you just you watch your results. You, you know what you're doing, how you're looking, depending on the training you're doing. You're very conscious of it. 
and that's it. So I guess that that's the myth. These standardized weight training programs, um, champions train differently to what works for them. Coaches know that their different clients will have different uh, needs uh, when it comes to their training. Um, and, and it's also up to the, to the client, the athletes himself to know what's really working for him and, and discuss that and, and talk to the coach about it. Maybe the coach has experience with other guys that might have some of the same makeup as he, that he does, and he can bring something new to the table that'll, that'll work. But really like 99% of the, of the podcast we do here is really about steroids and that's a great niche for us to to really be in because steve and i are one of the few people uh few people on earth that really understand steroids and anabolics to, to this level but if you yourself want to become an expert on, on anything become an expert in training for you and focus on that way more than the steroids You'd come here and get some information from us. But I tell you what, man, the right training program that really works for your body type and your goals and how you want to look will work great with almost any steroid, anything, dude. Like you could put anything on a great training program, good mature muscle mass that you've earned over years of natural training. Any fucking steroid you throw in there that brings you above natural levels of testosterone is just going to make everything look incredible. Now you take a shitty training program that's not for you, maybe too long, maybe too short, may have not enough volume or too much volume, may have not enough or too much intensity for what your, what your results and what your body requires. You drop as much steroids as you want on there, you're going to get mediocre results, no matter how much shit you use. So knowing the training program and being able to, to fit it to your body and what your what your body needs is, is very important. It's incredibly important. Look, you, you might find that if you drive a lot, you might find that leaning your chair back a little bit, you have a strong back muscles, a strong core muscles. You lean your chair back a little bit. And every time you drive, you just kind of lean forward in a sort of kind of just, just tense, crunchy. You might just do that. If you have a one hour drive each way, you just let your, your chair lean back and you keep your body in an almost upright position, but crunching it, your abs. And you do no other ab exercise than that. And, and you might have a, a six-pack year fucking round just just doing that. Just keeping a, a, a tension on your abs for an hour. Like just a, just a quick kind of just one hour long fucking crunching while you, while you ride your car. And you might figure out that's the way to do it. You know, it, it's it's really take make that the biggest part of the journey, the most important part of your fitness journey is learning how to train your body, how to how to how to abandon exercises that, that just aren't giving you the results or might be injuring you. Some guys I think are, are really fucking up their shoulders doing these military presses, you know, behind the neck and everything. Some 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 of y'all out there are probably ruining some shit really nasty. Uh, with unnecessarily frank zane remember frank zane uh i interviewed him that mm -hmm. was he didn't really give much advice um mm -hmm. on the podcast as much as you would think but one of the things he did say which made a lot of sense to me because i did mm -hmm. tear my shoulder was he said people overtrain their shoulders too much and if you're doing you know these split routines think about how many 
you know, if you're doing a five day split, you're probably nailing your, the shit out of your shoulder four out of those five days, <laughs> just on your leg day, you're not hitting your shoulders. So, I mean, you've got to ease up on your shoulders Your shoulders aren't meant to be trained four times a week or three times a week, or even twice a week in some cases. So if you're hammering your shoulders that much, then that's something you have to correct or you end up like me and tearing your shoulder. So I have, I have boxer shoulders. I mean, my, my shoulders, the endurance um, for workload on my shoulders is fucking incredible. You know, when I um, hit the heavy bag for, for a long time, I could do a lot of shoulder exercises and my shoulders, my delts are that one muscle that like I could do a set and don't need a lot of rest. And then I could just grab on the other one and the next one. And I feel the stress when I work out my shoulders more, I think, on the joint itself, that joint, the tendons there, than I do on the muscles. My shoulders can take a beating. And it's like, like never, they're never sore. Um, the, 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 weight in be, the, the weight in between reps, can, is, it's just, I, I, could, I could really put down the, the weights sit down, like, just give it just like 10 seconds, go, go back and then do the same number of sets. I, it's not the same for my biceps, <laughs> my biceps, you know, it's a di different story. Uh, same thing with, with my, uh, my back, you know, it, you just kind of identify those things. I know a way now to work out my shoulders where I take advantage of the fact that my shoulders have this, um, th this ability and I, and I don't beat up my joint and I'm still trying to get more, I think your shoulders should always be the, the focus. Shoulders and chest are probably the best focus of physique. Your shoulders just look impressive as fuck when you're wearing clothes. And, and that's just, I think, just, I don't think your shoulders could ever get big enough. You know, I don't think, I don't think your shoulders could ever be, could ever be too big, in my opinion. I mean, I'm sure uh, if you're in competition, some, some judge might disagree with me, but I mean, like, if you're just a guy walking around. And so, you know, use different weights. Um, you know, the, do, do heavier weights at first and then uh, do light weights. And I, I even use the bench. I, I lay forward on the bench and I use tiny 10 pound dumbbells to really work out. And, and I do sort of a sort of kind of a stretch out of that area at the same time I do my training. And it's just something I put together over time. And because if I would have just kept adding weight on the military press, just kept adding it on there. Uh, my shoulders would have taken it and I would have kept just pounding on weight. And then one day I would have had a problem with my joint. So I realized like, Hey, uh, I got really strong shoulders. They recharge really fast after training, uh, after a set, but I can feel something deep in there, like a wear that's deep in there. It's not the muscle. All right. I need to, I need to cut, cut out some of these exercises and focus on like hitting the muscle without stressing the joint. And, just things like that, guys, like really part of your journey. Big part is learning this training part, man. The trades are most important. If you need steroid advice, man, we'll be here. <laughs> we can definitely educate you guys on it. But like you have to the work in the gym. You have to take notes down, journey shit, take pictures, you know, like really figure out what's working and, and, and what's really not, you know, that's it. We're going to get into this more, but at the end of the day, you know, weight training, resistance training, you're training your body. It, it, it's so interesting to watch people in the gym, like watch experienced females in the gym, watch them work out. It's like a duck in water because females in the gym aren't trying to, they don't have that ego. 
they're not they're not going there like some guys like how many guys like they'll go next to a chick or even another guy they'll try to push a bunch of weight just to show off but they'll do it with crappy form but like watch someone who's not eat an egomaniac and watch them train it's like wow they're so graceful when they weight train doing dumbbell presses for example they're so graceful why is that because they've been doing it so long their body's so conditioned so when you're weight training it's not just about that it's also about breaking down the muscle and it it's coming back stronger each time and you know at the end of the day you know it's all plays a role sleep quality nutrition your mentality you know being positive eliminating the negativity out of your life eliminating the stresses out of your life all that all that plays a role in, in, in how successful you can be and a lot of people they join a gym they're there a month maybe two months and then they quit and they have like a year contract and they pay that entire year and they only go to the gym a few more times the rest of the year happens all the time gyms love that shit because you're not wearing down their equipment they don't have to clean up after you but you're still paying every month so that's what gyms want they don't want you to go there every day and damage their equipment so it's all about consistency you know it's got to be consistency and if you can just learn these you know the proper way to weight train and just avoid these bro science myths that we talk about and just do it the right way you will get much more efficient work it's not about working out hard it's about working out efficiently you know it's about being you know on top of it when when you weight train that's that's how you're going to build size give me someone who goes in there for 20 minutes and does it the right way over the guy who goes in there for an hour and a half and leaves the gym unable to walk. Give me that guy who does it the right way for 20 minutes. I, you know, he'll, he'll have the better results if he does it the right way in that 20 minutes. It shouldn't take you an hour and a half to weight train. And that's another myth that we can talk about in a future episode. I would like to touch on that too. You know, the, this whole myth about, you know, weight training for hours and hours and hours and it being beneficial. So that's another one we'll get to in the future, guys. But let us know what you think about these myths episodes. We'll, we'll definitely hit them up. So episode 444, we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.